Hi, I'm Rick Atkins, pastor here at CFCC. Welcome. We hope you enjoy this sermon and that God uses it to grow you in your relationship with Him. Before we get started, our goal is not to replace your investment in a local church with online content. We were made for community. We want to encourage you to engage in a local church with your gifts. See, when the people of God invest in the community of God, they experience the transformative power of God. And that is our hope and prayer for you. Again, thanks for joining us and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Amen, amen. Is it well with your soul this morning? Amen. 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 Hey, let me pray before you sit. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you for today. Thank you for, God, just the, being able to rejoice in song and being able to glorify you. Lord, thank you for your, your house, Lord, and the place to, to worship today. And may we do it well, God. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. How we doing? Good, 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 good. Man, it's so good to be in the house today. Very, very glad to have you here. I want to also welcome those who are online, who are joining us there. Just, just glad to have you today. And happy Father's Day. How about it, fathers? Happy Father's Day. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it is such, such a, an incredible thing to, you know, to, to, to have the, the same name as one of the names mentioned as the attributes of God. Our Father who art in heaven, right? Our Father who art in heaven. That, that, that's, some, uh, that's some big shoes. And then we need to do that well. We need to lead our families. We need to guide them. We need to protect them. And we need to point them to Christ. You see, God's called to be God of all creation. And we're called to be the, God of our, to be the father of our families. We're called to be the father of our families. I want to leave you with one short verse before we get going with the text today. I, I think it's, it's small, but it's powerful. And uh, it's in Ephesians. It's Ephesians 4.32. And it says this. It says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Fathers, if there is any problem with anyone today, if there is any problem, especially in your family, what a great day. What a great day to offer forgiveness and grace so that a precious relationship may be restored just like God did for us. What a great day for that. All right, so as we look at our passions today, I need to, I need to give you a little background, right? We need to, to look at, at why it's so important to remember who Peter is writing this letter to. And if you, if you look back and you see, you remember, these are scattered churches all throughout what is now modern-day Turkey, right? And, and what, he's, what he's saying to them, he's saying this to believers. He's saying to those who have uh, been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and that who he's talking to. And in his letter, it's a twofold kind of kind of message here because in the first half of the verses that we look at today, what he's going to be doing, he's going to be talking about how we are to live holy in an unholy world. But then in the second half, he kind of switches that on us, and then we start looking at how we are to live in the last days as we wait for Christ's return. So a little twofold message today. And you see Peter sending this letter for a reason. He's sending it because he sees that the world is trying to creep into the churches and they're trying to implement the standards of the world instead of God's standards. Because you see, the world 
or non-believers at this time, they had no problem with a Jesus that would protect them and keep them wealthy and healthy as long as he didn't try to invade their lives. They wanted a king that would allow them to do whatever it is they saw fit to do. So their standards could change depending on the day. And, and what Peter's saying here in chapter 4, he's reminding Christians, he's reminding believers, he's saying, hey, this is not our God. This is not the God we serve, right? This is not what way, the way he wants us to serve him. And, and what's amazing to me about that is some 2,000 years later, some 2,000 years later, as we hear this letter from Peter, we realize we're fighting the exact same battle, aren't we? We're fighting the exact same battle, and we're desperate to be reminded of how you and I are to live holy in an unholy world. So if you have your Bibles with you or your devices, if you would today, please open them up to 1 Peter. 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. A lot of verses today, so hang with me. It starts like this in verse 1. It says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. The first thing I want you to see is that anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, always ask, what's that therefore, therefore, right? Always look at that, and, and it's, that, it's there for this time to be a connector from chapter 3 to chapter 4. Because in chapter 3, what we saw was, is we saw that, that, that Jesus had willingly done what he, would, what he would do in order for us to be forgiven, right? And then, and, and then we see that, that he suffered in that. And so because, he's saying because of what Christ willingly did for us, Therefore, since he suffered, we should prepare ourselves and get our minds ready to do the same if necessary. You see, Peter's reminding them and us today that if it is the goal of our life to become more Christ-like every single day, that means that our life has to resemble his. Well, when you, we say that, think about this. Think about this. Let me ask you. When you were growing up, did you ever dream of being born in a cave surrounded by animals? Did you ever think about uh, having to move as a baby because people were trying to kill you? Did you ever think about taking on someone else's sins so they could be forgiven? Or willingly allow others to beat you, spit on you, and crucify you on a cross all for the good of others? You see... That's how our Savior chose to live. That's how he chose to live holy in an unholy world. Because he knew that this was the only way that you and I could be forgiven of sins and spend eternity with his Father in heaven. And what Peter's saying now, he's saying as believers that we have to be willing to suffer for the good of others if necessary. So get your mind and your soul ready. It's what he's saying. And then he continues in verse 1 as he talks about uh, being done with sin. What he's saying here is this. He's saying, hey, if you are able to do this, if you are willing and ready to actually suffer for the sake of Christ, and you can do that and still obey God even though you're going through suffering, and he's saying you've made a clean break from sin. You see what he's saying? He's saying, you know, because of the fact that your mind is now moving in the direction of Christ, because you desire to be more like him, because of that, 
sin will become less and less attractive in your life. Verse 2 and verse 3 continue that thought. It says, as a result, they do not live uh, the rest of their earthly lives for human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you've spent enough time in, in the past doing what the pagans do, what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. He says, hey, he starts with, as a result. As a result of what? As a result of the fact that you no longer want to live that way, right? As the result of the fact that, that you believe that, that you're willing to suffer for Christ. As a result of that, because you are willing to do that, you're no longer going to want to live the way you used to. You're no longer going to want to do that. You know, I, I, I think this probably sounds a little crazy, but, but I, I thought about this. You know, many times, and I don't know why on Friday nights, probably be, I, I don't know why, but on Friday nights, there's so many times when I'm, I'm just, I'm laying in my bed with my wife watching TV, and I'm just thinking about family, thinking about what's going on, and guys, it is the, the coolest, most peaceful feeling to honestly say to God, there is no place on this earth I'd rather be than right here, right now. Now, I don't want you to think that that, that means I've arrived. I, I don't mean that. I, I'm a work in progress just like you. But what I do want you to understand is that there is progress. There is progress. And what I mean by that is I, I don't want to ever live the way I lived before Christ became my Savior. I never want to go back to that way of life. And I thank God for that. And, and you see, that's what Peter's reminding us of. He's saying, hey, what you need to understand is this is how and why you and I are different from the majority of the world. Philippians 2, 13 says it this way. It says it this way. It says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So I ask you this question this morning. Do you now live differently than you did before Christ came into your soul? Do you now live differently than before you accepted Christ? Are, you, are your desires, your thoughts, and your motives, are those changing? Because you see, that's what God does in the life of a true believer. That's what God does, right? That's that transformation process that God does, and he continues doing this and growing us until the day he calls us home. Verse 4 through 6 says this. He's speaking of non-believers, and he says this. He says, they are surprised that you do not join them in the, in the reckless wild living, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this reason, the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead so that they might be judged according to human standards in regard to the body, but live according to God in the spirit. Now, I want to be very careful here, and I want to share and be open and transparent with you. Verse 6 is a very complicated verse. And, and so I, I looked at so many different commentaries, and, and, and uh, the one that I'll share with you today is the one I was most comfortable with, but I want you to understand and know that there are other interpretations of verse 6, okay? So, but, but we got to work on verse 4 and 5 first. So in verse 4, he's, he's talking about that, you know, because of the fact, you know, we're not going to fit into the majority of the world, right? We're not. And so as believers, what you and I have to know is this. 
we, we have to know that there is no way that, a, that, that, that they can understand why this change has occurred in our lives. Because you see, they've never gone through that transformation process. They've never been through that with God. And so to them, this is foreign and they don't understand. And, and, and I think the important part about that is this, is that when we know that, when we understand that, that, that reasoning, then it's easier to pray for them. It's easier not to get so offended. It's easier to understand why they would think that way. And Peter says, though, he says, because of this, because of the fact that we're not going to fit in, he says, you need to get ready. You need to understand. You may lose friends, right? You may not be invited to the same parties, the same activities, right? And, and you may be talked about or even laughed at. And, and, and if that hasn't happened yet, it will, right? It will. But as followers of Jesus Christ, what you and I have to decide, what you and I have to make our minds up about is, am I going to live for the glory of God or for the glory of this world? Because you see, it's impossible to do both. It's impossible to do both. You can still, you can still love people, you can still pray for them, and you can still be kind to them, but your relationship is probably going to change. And the thing is, is that we have to understand that it could even get worse. And guys, I don't mean to be doom and gloom because it's not doom and gloom today. I just want to share with you what the Bible is saying. And Peter's saying, you know, it, it could get worse because throughout history, the, the church has provided numerous examples of believers in Christ who've had very harsh treatment, right? They, they've been threatened, they've been imprisoned, they've been beaten, and they've been they actually killed. And Peter wants us to know exactly what we are getting into. He wants us to count the cost. But at the same time, he wants you and I to know that God is with us and will go through this with us every step of the way. I, I, I love what Charles Swindoll said about verse 6. Yes, it is hard to understand, but I love this. See if this makes sense to you. He says, so even if we're judged and declared guilty by the human standards of the world, just like Jesus was, like him, we will one day be made alive to the Spirit and resurrected to know life with him forever. And what he's saying there, he's saying, hey, even if the world condemns you, even if the world says you are guilty, just like they did with Christ, right? And even if... They would kill you. You will be resurrected, and you will have eternal life, just like our Lord and Savior Jesus did. He's saying, hey, they can hurt the body, right? They can declare the body guilty, but they can't touch the soul. And this is a, another, another reminder, another reminder by Peter that if, if we're going to be able if we're going to be able to stand firm, if you and I are going to be able to stand firm and to live holy in an unholy world, we have to know our why. We have to know the end of the story. We have to know that this is not the end. We have to know that God has something so unbelievably incredible for us and that that will be forever. Because you see, when we know that, that's what allows you to stand firm. That's what allows you to say, it's worth the fight. I, th I thought about 
people that suffer and, 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 and believe that it was worth the fight. Let me give you a couple examples. I think about soldiers and what they do. They're willing to leave their, their family, and they fight for our country, right? And they fight even to the point of death. Why? Why would anyone suffer like that? Because they know that freedom is never free, and they know that they are fighting not only for their country, but for their families and for a way of life. I think about a, a, a lady who is pregnant and who, who goes through the excruciating pain of, of delivering a child. And, and I can't imagine what could get someone through that. You see, they know the end of the story. They know the end of the story. They know that something greater is coming. They know that there's a beautiful baby on the other side. And, and, and I tell you that to say this. As Christians this morning, you and I, we have to know that no matter what's going on in this world, that it's always temporary. And that what God has for us in eternity is so much greater than anything we can imagine. We have to know that. And we have to believe that. Because when we do, we know that it's worth the fight even if we have to suffer. We know it's worth the fight. All right, so verse 7 kind of changes it up a little bit, and it says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded so that you may pray. And here Peter is, is saying that, that Christ has fulfilled everything he needs to do right? Christ has defeated death. He's defeated sin, defeated death. He's been resurrected. He's at the right hand of God. And he's sitting there right now waiting for his father to say, go. And Peter is saying that, that, that there's another therefore in that, in that uh, verse. And Peter's saying that, that this time you have to understand because it could happen at any minute, because Jesus has done whatever he had to do and everything is set and ready, because of that, therefore, we have to be alert, he says. We have to pay attention and we have to be sober or clear-minded so that we may pray. You see, prayer, prayer is such an important part of living God's way during the last days. It's such an important part because prayer is where we discover God's perfectness. Prayer is where we understand, know, and believe that God truly does not only know but want what's best for us. And it's in prayer that we're finally able to say, may your will be done. May your will be done, God. Here's my heart, but God, you're perfect, and may your will be done. You see, that kind of trust only comes from time alone with God. So today, if something is, is alarming you, pray, right? If something is, is confusing you, pray. If the world feels like it's spinning out of control, pray. Because what prayer does, prayer sharpens our awareness. It reminds us of the greatness of God. And guys, that gives us confidence in the confusion. Do you remember in the Psalms, many of you read the Psalms, and, and, and if you remember some of the prayers of David in the Psalms where, where he starts off and he's always questioning God. God, why? God, where? God, when's there going to be relief? But by the end of the prayer, what happens? He's worshiping and thanking God. Because you see, that's what happens in prayer. That's what happens. So today, if you find yourself worried, if you find yourself afraid or confused, I'm telling you, please check your prayer life. 
Check your prayer life and discover and remember who God is. Verse 8 tells us this. It tells us that we are to love one another deeply. We are to love one another deeply. Here, Peter's talking about an intentional or determined love. And, and, and he knows about this, and he knows the need for this, because in, in Matthew 24, Peter was sitting at the feet of Jesus, right? He was sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus. And Jesus says this. He says, during the last times, during the end times, most people's love will grow cold. And then in, in, in 1 Timothy, Paul tells Timothy that in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. You see, knowing this, knowing this, Peter's telling believers, our love has to be different, right? Our love has to be different. It's a love that's not based on feelings. It's a love that doesn't want anything in return, but a deep love that can only happen as you and I allow God to continue to transform our lives. That's what Peter is relating. You see, he could do this and he could say this because he had experienced this. He'd experienced this, and he saw the results of this. If you remember, just after Pentecost, as the church was being formed, and it was in Acts 2, verses 42 through 45, listen to this. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That's a deep love. And the result of that, God added to their number daily those who were being saved. And Peter continues, and he says, this love, this kind of love, this love covers a multitude of sins. Again, he was quoting from Proverbs 10, 12, where it says, hate stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Guys, I want you to remember that our perfect example, Jesus Christ, just before he died, he looked up and he said, God, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. These people were killing him. I don't know about you, but I've got some work to do with that one. I like what theologian David Helm said this. He said this. He says, love takes the oxygen out of sin the way a blanket chokes out the air from one caught on fire. And then in verse 9, we get our third command for living in the last days. And he says, we are to offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, guys, I think most of us are fine with hospitality as long as we get to define it, right? As long as we get to define it. As long as we get to decide and pick and choose who we want to be nice to or not be nice to. And as long as we make sure that it doesn't really inconvenience us too much. You see, that, that's the world's definition now of hospitality. And, and, and Peter is saying, no, no, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. He's saying, this is a selfless love. It's a selfless love for all people, even those who have wronged you. And then Peter takes another step, and he says this. He says, not only are we to do this, but we are to do this without grumbling or complaining. Not only are we to be hospitable, but we have to do this without grumbling or complaining. 
Now, I'm not asking you to, to, to use this magic potion. I'm just telling you to think about this. I think we've talked about this once before, but we, we talk about changing two words in our vocabulary. We go from got to get. Now think about this. I've got to go to work or I get to go to work. I've got to love others or I get to love others. You see the difference in that mindset? So, so what I would challenge you this week is to, to, to check yourself and see which word you're using most. Got or get. Verse 10 and 11. This is our final command for living in the last days. And he says we are to serve others using the gifts that God has given us. We, we are to serve others using the gift that God has given us. Romans 12, 6, 8 says it this way. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Your, if your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's, if it's, uh, giving, if it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. See, God gave us gifts. He generously gives us spiritual gifts to use for his glory and for the good of others. And for some reason, Peter decides to, to, to pick out two of those. I, I couldn't tell you why, but Peter decides that there are two that he wants to share with us today. And the first is this. The first is the gift of speaking. And Peter says that those who serve the church by speaking and teaching should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. He says, you know, in some version it says the oracles of God. And the, the, an oracle is a place where we can find divine advice or, prop, or prophecy. And so what that says is this, is that we know that divine advice or prophecy is found only in the Holy Bible, right? We know that. And so, so we know that also that through the power of the Holy Spirit and only through the power of the Holy Spirit are we able to interpret Scripture the way God wants us to. So if we're going to be on safe ground in this church, then we have to preach the Bible and pray and beg the Holy Spirit to interpret it for us. That's who we got to be, right? And, and I, I will tell you this. As one who teaches, man, that's scary. That is scary. Because I never want to lead anyone away from God. I never want to, to say anything that is unbiblical. And so the only thing that I know what to do is to pray and to study and to beg God to allow me to be a messenger of his. So please pray, because I'm telling you, that's a scary thing. The second gift Peter addresses is this. He talks about the gift of serving. And, 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 and just like with the gift of speaking, serving others without expecting anything in return, serving others from the goodness of your heart, can is an impossible task and will not happen without God's Holy Spirit leading the way. Because you see, the world desires to be served, but God desires us to serve others. It's a mindset. It's a belief that God has equipped us to do everything we need to do to stand firm and to fight and to do it his way so that the world can never infiltrate God's plans. And then Peter ends this way. Peter ends this way and he says this. He says, 
He says that we are to do these things. We are to do all of these things that we've talked about for God's glory. We're, we're to be willing to suffer as Christ did, right? He suffered and, and for the good of us, and we're to be willing to suffer for the good of others. That we no longer are to live the way we did before Christ came into our lives. That we should be living differently now. That there should be a, a progression happening there. That we are now to live for the will of God. We are now to live God's way for His will. To be alert and to be sober-minded as we pray. We're to love each other deeply. We're to be hospitable to all without complaining. And guys, we're to use God's spiritual gifts for His service. Well, the only way we can do this is in His power, right? And, and, and that's Peter's message today, is that in God's power, any and everything's possible. Without Him, we'll be worldly. He says at the end that we do all of this so that God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. You, you see, church, that's our charge. That's what we've been called to do, right? We've been called to take everything that God has given us so that we can live in a place that is not our home in a way that glorifies him. That's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be. Peter knew that the world was creeping in on the church and that if God's people were not committed to God's work daily through the power of the Holy Spirit, that the world would continue to creep. And again, we are fighting the exact same battle 2,000 years later. Guys, we are called to be different, but God has equipped us with everything we need to be able to do that. My prayer is may we as God's people today Saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. May we understand and believe that living God's way, that living holy in an unholy world, that living his way in the last days is worth the fight. It's worth the fight. Galatians 6, 9 says this. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. This is not easy. This is not easy. So many people today are, are saying, just come in and, and just come and know Christ and everything will be great. Yes, yes, your soul is saved forever. Yes, you will change. But yes, God expects us to live in a way, now that we are saved, that points others to him. That's what we're called to do, church. So that God can add to us people that are being saved. That's who we're to be. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for, for just the, the, the opportunity to, to read Peter's letter and, and to know that as hard as it is to hear, that it was Peter loving fellow believers and saying, here is who God is. Here is what God expects. 
Here is how you live holy in an unholy world. God, we find ourselves there today. We find ourselves right there today trying to live your way. Lord, and, and, and we need to love each other deeply, God, so that, that, that we are motivated by the love of others, so that we realize we're not alone. God, may we be that church. Heavenly Father, God, we just we love you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.